You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. You know, today we are, um, we're going to talk about this. The, the topic for today is the light of the world, the light of the world. And I got to be honest with you, you know, last week being Easter and a lot going on, I had some plans for these next couple weeks for our church, and I had a message that I was working on for uh, most of the week that I was kind of just slowly chipping away out and kind of doing some study in God's Word. And then on Friday, as I begin to really finalize that message, on Friday, the anointing just lifted completely off of that message that I was preparing. And so, uh, of course, my flesh wanted to keep moving forward. I've put all this work into this message that I've prepared and all this study. And so for the next 30 minutes to an hour, I'm just still trying to, to force this message and write some words that we could talk about today. About, and it was a good message, right? It was from God's Word, so it's going to be good. But I was trying to force it as a human, and God continued to remind me, that's not the message I have for you to speak today. It's not the message. And it wasn't until uh, yesterday around lunchtime where I finally got the clarity of what exactly God wanted to say, and it was this, is talking about the light of the world. You know, last week we talked about, and we looked at a verse in John chapter 8, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But Jesus also said this, Jesus also said in Matthew 5, he says to his disciples and to us today, he says, you are the light of the world. And that's what our entire vision here is at, at Abide Church, is to live, love, and look like Jesus. So whenever we see Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and then we see him say, no, you are the light of the world. In fact, let's look at it. It says this, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on the stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Here's what happened in my week. That changed everything. I was working, I was doing my plan, and I, I had my plan for the week, my to-do list, all the things that I was trying to do, and here's what happened. On Tuesday, I got a Facebook message late at night, and it was from an old friend, a friend that I haven't talked to in over a decade, and a friend that I grew up with, that I was best friends with. I went to his house all the time. He was at my house all the time. We played sports together. We went to, to high school together and grade school together. We, we knew each other. We were best friends, but we, haven't, we went our separate ways. We haven't talked in over a decade. And he messaged me, and he said, hey, I've been thinking about you. I just would love to meet with you if you have time this week. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Let's meet up, man. And so we scheduled time, and on Thursday, we had lunch together. And I knew that this guy had been far from God. I knew that, yeah, we grew up together in a great church, but I knew that he started taking his own path and doing his own thing, and things happened in his life that he, that he blamed on God, and he put on God, and he was mad at God for a season, and he was doing his own thing for a while. But when I met him on Thursday for lunch, he told me, he said, I found Jesus for real, for real. He said, I've, I, not, he said not the fake Jesus, like not, not, not the feel-good Jesus. He said, I found Jesus, and I'm ready to change. And the Holy Spirit inside of me just, it, I was so, nearly so emotional when he told me that. I was so excited, and I just hugged him, and I said, man, welcome home. Welcome home. And he's not, he, he's, he's, he began to get, go on and tell me his, his testimony and just his story. And basically, for the last 10 years of his life, all of his 20s, he has been high 
on every and any type of drug. He said, I don't remember a time when I wasn't high. That's how bad it was. Whether it was marijuana or whether it was some serious stuff, like it was, I was constantly looking for that fix, looking for that trip. I was looking for that feeling and that emotion for a decade of his life. He said, I don't remember a time in my 20s when I wasn't high. And just in these last few months, he's become to, to come to Jesus and truly get on his knees, humble himself and say, Jesus, save me. I want the real you. I want you in my life. Please change me. And he's on the path and he's, he's been clean for a while now. He's been clean at least over a week where he hasn't been on any alcohol, any drugs, anything like that. And he, he said, when I was coming to Jesus and I was, when I was you know, cutting out friendships in my life that were pulling me back into drugs or alcohol, when I was coming and I was cutting out friendships in my life that were good Christian people, but they weren't helping me. They weren't pointing me actually to Jesus. They weren't helping me find freedom. He said, I was cutting these people out, and I just felt in my heart, I just had this thought that I just need to talk to Dan. We haven't talked in a, in a decade. But here's what I realized. When he said that, I was so humbled. And I don't say that to pat myself on the back at all. It was humbling because I had to ask myself, was I ready for that conversation? Really? Because in the conversation, my flesh, in my mind, <laughs> I had nothing to give him. I had, in, my, in my own self, in my flesh, I had no response. He was telling me about drugs that he was doing that I don't know what those drugs are, okay? Like, I don't have that story. And I'm sitting there thinking, I, that's crazy, man. You know, like, I don't, I, my flesh has nothing to give him. But the Holy Spirit in me has everything to give him. And that's what changed. I was sitting there in the middle of this conversation. I had this like out-of-body experience where I'm just like, Jesus, thank you for your grace, number one. But thank you for giving me the words to say. Because there's no freedom in Dan alone. There's freedom in the Holy Spirit who dwells in me and who I am baptized and clothed in. There's freedom in the Holy Spirit in me. I said, give me the words to speak because I have nothing for him. Give me the words. And God reminded me that this, for a decade, this, this guy who is an incredible young man, we grew up together, never in trouble. He made some bad choices, but for a decade, he's been watching me from a distance. And that's what rocked me. He's been, he's been watching me, and every once in a while just checking in, just, just on social media or just to see, talk to people, but never in person, never texting or calling, just checking in. He's been watching for a distant, from a distance for 10 years. And if I, by the grace of God, had not walked on the path that God has put in front of me, he would have been looking for truth and looking for freedom and he would have reached out to me, but I would have had nothing to give him except for Jesus, like if I didn't have Jesus. And it was this healthy reminder. It feels a little bit like a burden, but it's a pick up your cross. This is a part of discipleship. It's a healthy reminder that Jesus said, you are the light of the world. When he was in a dark place and he needed light, who did he go to? He needed someone who could actually represent Jesus to him well. And by the grace of God, I could do that, not in my own but through the Holy Spirit. 
And this is what I want to talk about today. I want to remind us and just ask that question. Are you ready for that? Praise God I was. But are you? There's been seasons in my life where I wasn't ready for that. If someone had messaged me and said, hey, I just need to talk to somebody. I need to come home to Jesus. I, I don't know what to, I don't, and I would probably say no because I don't know what to even say to you. Are you ready for that? Because whether you realize, realize it or not, if you're a believer, you have friends and you have family members and you have people that maybe you haven't talked to in decades or years who are still watching. They're seeing, is it the real? Is it the real thing? Are you the real deal? And by asking that, they're asking this, is God real? Is he actually real? And that's the weight of discipleship. You are the light of the world. I am. And so here's what I want to look at today. I just want to bring some healthy perspective and say, are we ready for whenever that lost sheep that Jesus said, I want them to come home, when they make a step towards Jesus, are we ready personally, not as a church? Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's us. Yeah, he didn't say go and build churches that make disciples. That's a bonus, okay? But he said, you go. Your job is to make disciples. Am I ready personally to share the light of Jesus with the lost? And that's what we have to talk about today. And here's where it comes down to. What does it really look like? In Philippians, Paul writes this. Let's look at this passage, Philippians 2, 12 through 18. I'm going to read it here, and then we'll talk about it. He says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. What does it mean to be the light of the world for us? It means that I have to be a light bearer. I have to carry the light with me everywhere that I go. And I have to be conscious, conscious of it. I have to make sure that when I'm aware of, when I step into situations, that there's darkness all around me. It's what Paul said. He said, you need to be a bright light in a, a world full of crooked and perverse people. I don't know about you, but that's today, okay? Look around, watch the news, see what's going on in our world. It's crooked, it's perverse, and it's dark. There's a lot of twisted and demonic things that are going on that are being pushed on our kids. It's demonic, it's twisted, it's anti-Christ. And if we're not careful, we will stand back and watch the darkness come sweeping into this next generation, and we will, just by doing nothing, put our stamp of approval on, that's ah, okay, it's just how the world's going. Rather than, no, I'm going to shine like a bright light and do something about it. I'm going to show Jesus to these people. That's what, that's what Paul said. What are, what are light bearers? In verse 12, he said, show, work hard to show others the result of your salvation. We say this all the time. Look, salvation has nothing to do with works. It's a free gift. But the discipleship has everything to do with works. Freely you've received, now freely what? Give. I have the responsibility. Jesus said, when I'm here, I'm the light of the world. 
I'm gone. I put my spirit in you. Now you have power. Now you are the light of the world. What? That means I got to do something. I can't stand back and do nothing anymore. And when I do, and when I see the lost people, it should break my heart. It should break my heart. So let's talk about this for a second. The result of true salvation is complete obedience to God. My job is to live, love, and look like Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am, and he lives in me now through his spirit, I also can say, I am the light of the world. Because he was, I am. Three actions of a light bearer. Here's what we're going to talk about today. This is going to be so simple. These are elementary, basic things. But can I tell you, I know pastors, I know people who've been in church their whole life who don't do these three things. And if as believers we would do these three things, which Paul lays out in Philippians 2 here, if we would just do these three things, it would change the world. But it's the basic practices, the simple basic things that make us go to the next level. In America, I don't know if you know this, we like to overcomplicate things. We like to say, ah, it can't be that easy. Can't be that simple. But God says, no, I made it that simple so you can't screw it up. (laughs) Okay? I made it that easy so you can actually do it and make an impact in this world. And so here's what we're going to look at. The three things. Number one is this. Light bearers control their tongue. It's the first thing he addresses. They control their tongue. What is coming out of my mouth? What am I allowing to come out of my mouth? Light bearers control their tongue. In Philippians 2.14, what does he say? He says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. How many of you know that's tough sometimes, right? It's tough when that boss is a jerk or this job really sucks, right? Like it's tough whenever you are in a situation and it's easy to complain. It's easy in this in today specifically to argue, but what's the common denominator? The tongue. Do everything. Guard your words in everything that you do. It doesn't matter the season. It does not matter the job. It does not matter the responsibility. I have to guard my tongue. I have to watch what is coming out of my mouth. Why is that important? Look at James. If you ever just need a good challenge, just read the book of James. Okay, James 1.26 says this. If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Wow. I go to church, make my kids go to church, I pay my tithes, I volunteer, but if I'm letting garbage come out of my mouth, worthless, it's all for naught. Why? Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why do I have to control my tongue? My tongue reveals what the nature and the condition of my spirit, what's happening in here. It, it reveals the root of Am I a healthy tree producing healthy spiritual fruit or am I diseased, rotten because I've let sin or other things in, bitterness, come into my heart and I'm producing rotten fruit? This is exactly what what Paul reiterates in in Philippians. He says this, Philippians 2.16, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that, once again, that my work was not useless. He said, if we're not careful, we can run the whole race thinking we're great, But because of these basic things that we overlooked, he says what? Worthless, useless. He said, if you're not careful and doing the simple things, you'll miss the big things. 
It's useless. Proverbs 18, 21, we know this. We've been in church. You've heard this before. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What does that mean? Whatever you're speaking today, you will eat the fruit of tomorrow. Another way of saying it is like this. The words of today are the reality of tomorrow. The words of today are the reality of tomorrow. So can I tell you, if I'm just, if I'm always saying and calling my spouse a lazy bum, right? No good. (laughs) They're the worst. If I'm letting those words come out of my mouth, it's the reality of tomorrow. Can we be real? And be even more real. They may be a lazy bum, but why not speak life over them? Why not find some scripture to speak over them and start declaring it over them? Because God's word says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And whatever I'm speaking, I will eat its fruit. I can speak over them. I can pray over them. I know people who their, their, their spouse falls asleep and they're not a believer. And maybe they're, they are a lazy bum. But when their spouse is sleeping, they're laying hands on them and praying for them and speaking God's word over there. They have a confession that they're speaking over them. Why? Because if it's your spouse, I don't know why I'm using this example, but if it's your spouse, I don't know if you know this, your, your spirit doesn't sleep. There's spirit in them. The eternal being is still alive, awake when they're sleeping. And so what they do is you can go to battle and say, you know what? They're going down this path, but God, you said they can go down this path. God, they're going this way. They're making these decisions, but God, you said you'd give us wisdom when we ask for it. I declare it over them. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Whatever I'm speaking has a huge impact. And like I said to begin with, people are watching what I'm speaking, what I'm posting about on Facebook, what I'm, what I'm writing for other people to see. They're looking and they're watching. And they may never like the, the post. They may never interact. They may never shoot me a text. But what? I had a realization. For 10 years, someone that was far from God was watching to see if God was real. How? Through me. If I lived it out. That's our weight. That's our responsibility. Number two is this. Light bearers live it out. <laughs> see how simple this is? They control their tongue. Watch my words. Number two, they live it out. Here's what Paul writes in Philippians 2.15. He says, Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. He says this, Live above reproach. In everything that I do, if someone watched me for the entire day, am I living clean and innocent, above reproach? Right? He says, Shine like a bright light. Not a dim light. Am I allowing things to come into my life that are worldly, that are darkness? Am I allowing it to be in my home just because, ah, it's just this little thing. What's the big deal? Have I allowed things in my life that are keeping me from shining bright? Here's a great example. I have lunch with this guy. He's, he's coming out of battling everything, okay? Alcohol, drugs pornography, you name it. He's coming out of it. So here we are having lunch. And if I go, we're at a burger joint. If I go and I, hey, I'm going to have a beer with my burger. Is that sinful? Not necessarily, right? Drunkenness, absolutely. Here's where it does become sinful. My beer pushes him back into alcohol. 
My sin caused him to stumble to sin. And Jesus said, if you cause even one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for you to have a millstone, a huge stone wrapped around, tied around your neck and thrown into the depths of the sea. That's the weight of discipleship. Now, I don't, for that reason, that's why I don't drink at all. Because I want to make sure that there is nothing in my life. And I'm not saying, I'm just saying, this is my conviction. I can't allow anything in my life to be even one pebble of a stumbling block for someone to go back into the life that God is trying to free them from, even if I like it. Is there anything I'm not willing to give up for Christ if it means that one person is saved? If there is, I need to take a step back and reevaluate some things because I've got I to be a bright light. I have got to live it out clean, innocent, aware of what people around me are doing, aware of who's watching me even from a distance for a decade. Am I aware of what people are seeing in my life? Am I living it out? James 1, let's go back to James. James 1, 21 through 22. So get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that he has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Oh, here he goes again. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. I can go to church and I can amen all day, but if I don't take it out of here and do something shining like a bright light Monday through Saturday, I am fooling myself. Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, many at the, at the end of the age, many will come to me and they'll say, Lord, Lord, we did these things in your name. We cast out demons. You know, we did all this stuff in your name. But he's going to look back at them and say, I never knew you. Matthew 7, 21. I never knew you. But they did all of these things in his name. But they, Jesus says, I need you, the real you, not just your empty actions of going to church and going home. I need you to live it out throughout the week. 1 John 2, 3 through 6, it says this, and we can be sure that we know him, we know God, if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but they don't obey his commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word, truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him or abiding in him. Those who say that we live in him or abide in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Live, love, look like Jesus. How? I walk as he walked, above reproach. And here's what's amazing. When I live above reproach, we like to think uh, a great excuse to hang on to old habits is, well, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to go to that party, or I'm going to drink this or smoke that because I want to be around sinners. That's what Jesus did. He was always around sinners. It's interesting. When sinners came to Jesus, that's exactly what they did. They came to Jesus. And he didn't push them away. He welcomed them because he knew life change was there. Truth. He would give them truth. Jesus never put himself or his disciples in a compromising position that would ruin testimony or that would cause his disciples to stumble. Look at Zacchaeus. You look at all these guys. They, almost every time, took the first step. Zacchaeus climbed a tree just to see Jesus. Why? Because he was living it out so 
pure. He had power to back it up. He had fruit to back it up. And they said, even the worst sinner said, I got to see this. And that's exactly what happened on Thursday for lunch. I'm coming out of hell. I got to talk to Dan. (laughs) I'm blessed that he would say that. I, I don't deserve to be here. The grace of God has brought me here. But the grace of God used me. Pastor Dan's not perfect, but we can choose the basic things and say, I'm going to live above reproach so that God can use me. But if I'd been doing my own thing, doing whatever I want and compromising from here to there, he can never open the door for me to bring someone back into the family of God. Many people say, I love Jesus. What does God's word say? Those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Many people say they love Jesus. But to be real in church, their actions prove that they do not. I know that's heavy, right? I know that's like punching in the face. But that's God's word. And if we don't talk about these verses, I have to answer for it someday. I got to look Jesus my boss, in the face someday. And he's going to ask, did you tell them the whole truth? Not just to feel good. Here's your pep talk. See you next week. No, did you give them truth so they could have freedom? Yes, sir. (laughs) That's my response. Yes, sir. Number three is this. Light bearers cling to God's word. I have to control my tongue. I need to live it out. That means living above reproach. And number three, libraries cling to God's word. Philippians 2.16 says this, hold firmly to the word of life. Hold firmly. Literally translated, give attention to, to observe, or to apply. Give attention to, to observe, to apply. What's my approach to God's word? Is it really my bread of life, my living water? You know, a few years ago, I, I got this opportunity to go with this group of guys to climb a mountain. It was a 14,000-foot mountain. I've never done anything like this before. Very un- inexperienced. I go with these guys, though, and we're climbing this mountain, and, and it was an all-day thing. Like, we got up way hours before the sunrise, and we didn't get back until the sun was setting. Like, it was the most difficult thing I've ever done. Because there was moments in this... The last five minutes of climbing was the most intense because we're, we're, we're super high up. The last hour or so has been four-point crawling and climbing. It's not just some hike. We're climbing. And as we get there, we get, there's just five minutes left to the, to the summit. And I'm there, and I'm gassed. Like, hey, dudes, I'm out, okay? I, I have no more energy. And to get to the summit, there's this one little trail that you had to go on the last five minutes. And to, to go on this trail, you had to cling to this rock wall and you had about a foot a little over a foot of clearance for your feet to slide on and you just went you just went down like this for like 30 feet just continue to go sideways just just clinging to the wall and to be to be real if you behind you was a drop off of another 30 to 40 feet so one wrong step and it literally could mean death life and death can I tell you, man, I was praying in tongues like you would not believe somebody. I didn't care. I didn't care who heard me. Like, it's go time. I, I need some supernatural help here. My legs are shaking. I'm, I was freaked out. I made it to the summit. 
And at the summit, God spoke to me and he said, I need you to cling to me like you, like you were clung to this mountain. Life and death is at stake. And I never thought of it that way because I was convicted. I said, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not clinging to this thing <laughs> and praying in tongues and shaky leg because I'm that desperate for safety. But he said, spiritually, you should be. I should be running to that every day, clinging to it, white knuckle. I gotta have it today. Why? Life and death are at stake. Sometimes it's not even for you. Praise God, on Thursday, I had time with my Savior that morning. I clung to his word when I got up. So I was full of faith. So when I walked into that lunch, I had something to give. Cling to God's word. Matthew 6, 11, Jesus teaches his disciples to, to pray, and he says this, give us this day our daily bread. I've got to feed on this. My spirit has got to feed on this. And that means I've got to cut out some junk food, some spiritual junk food in order to feed more on it. Here's a great, a great one. I stole this from, from Parker Wilson several years ago. He said this in his walk. He said, I came to a point where I realized that I could quote more, more pastors, more leadership books, and other books, more leaders. I could quote other people more than I could God's word. And that's when I knew I had a problem. I could quote all of these people, but I couldn't quote you the word of God. And I knew I had my priorities switched. I gotta make a change. Been there. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, he said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. There it is again, live above reproach, righteously. Why? He says at that point then, he will give you everything you need, our heavenly father. Church, we have a responsibility to be light bearers. I've got to control my tongue. I've got to live it out and I've got to cling to God's word because here's what's going on in our world. Imagine that tomorrow you go and, and you go into work and it's nighttime. You go in and, and for some reason they got you working at night. It's in the middle of the night and it's pitch black outside. There's no moon, it's dark. And wherever you go to work, whether it's a job site or an office or whatever, wherever it is, imagine going in and it's completely black. People are stumbling around. Nobody has a flashlight. Nobody had turned on the lights, even though the light switch is right there. Everyone's just doing their thing, struggling in the darkness, trying to write, trying to work. There's no computer screens on. There's no light. They're just trying to, to manage. Imagine being on a construction site, and they're trying to work. It's complete dark. No lights. It's dangerous. And imagine coming in, and you walk past the light switch. You know where it's at. What are we doing? But you see everyone else in the darkness, and so you think, wow, I guess this is just how it's going to be today. So you go to your spot, your desk, whatever it is, and you go to work. You struggle with everyone else. Friends, spiritually, that's what our world looks like. You go to work, and it depends on where you work, but most likely you got a lot of people around you. Even if you're in the grocery store, it's a lot of people shopping in the dark. They're stumbling around spiritually. They have no light. They're trying to open their eyes wider. It's just to see, to function from day to day. They're surviving day to day in the darkness. But Jesus says, you are the light of the world. 
go in there and turn on the light switch. <laughs> and then go find someone who was in the dark and say, here's the light switch. Next time it starts to get dark in here, come turn this thing on. Go to the light switch. Go to Jesus. He's the only source of light. But then after that, you take it a step further and you hand him a lantern and you say, take this with you. Because you're going to go somewhere where it seems like you can't find the light switch. But guess what? It's with you always. There's always a source of light. And what happens? You ever lost power? What does everyone do in the house? You go to the one room that has some light in it. Whether it's a candle, whether it's a flashlight, a lantern, you go to the one room. That's what happens when we actually take the responsibility and shine like bright lights. I'm walking in a room and I have a lantern. And as I'm walking, people say, hey, I need that light. I need to see what I'm doing. Can you bring it over here? Can you meet me for lunch? Hey, can we have a conversation? Can you pray with me? That's the spiritual realm. Dark, perverse world. So I've got to reflect. Am I ready for those conversations? Again, thank you, God, that I was. But am I ready for those people that have been watching me? I got to reflect. That's why I have these reflection questions. I put them on your card. Do my words shine light or spread darkness? Because here's the thing. If I'm not shining light, I'm putting my stamp of approval on the darkness. This is okay. And Jesus is screaming, it's not okay. I paid too high of a price for you to say the darkness in your life is okay. Bring me, he's saying, bring me into it so I can shine, so I can reveal, and so I can bring freedom today. It's not okay. But I got to do my part. I got to do what he's commanded me to do because I love him. So what? I obey him. Do my words shine light or spread darkness? Do my actions shine light or spread darkness? Am I clinging to God's word? Be honest. Rate your time with God on a scale of one to ten. Ten being, yeah, it's amazing. I'm hearing from God. One being, don't remember the last time I had some quiet time with God. Be honest. Where are you at? It's going to reveal are you clinging to this like I was clinging to that mountain for safety and for life? And the action step is this. It's the, the verse from Philippians. Work hard to show the result of your salvation. How? Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. That's another one of those verses, not super popular. Work hard to show the result of your salvation. Salvation, free gift. The result of it and the discipleship and the responsibility of carrying the light, it's all about works. Am I living out what God has given me? He's given me access to his kingdom. Am I taking it with me? Can I see it in my words, in my actions, my behind the scenes life? Heaven and hell are at stake. And when we become aware of this, God can open up the door of opportunity for those people who you've been praying for, who you're saying, I wish they would come home to Jesus. He will open the door on a random Tuesday night through Facebook Messenger. He will open the door and say, here's your chance. Represent me well, son. Represent me well, daughter. Show him the light. 
What an honor, man. God is so good. He would trust us that much. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Jesus, thank you for your light. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. We're just honored to be used by you. We're honored to be light bearers. But Holy Spirit, help us. Help us be efficient and effective light bearers. Help us do it well. Help us run this race effectively. It says that you work in us, producing the want to, to do your will. God, we love you, so we want to obey you. And Holy Spirit, you are our helper. We ask for your help. Help us represent you well this week. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.